following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Our gospel reading today is from Matthew 13. I'm going to read 1 through 9 and then jump ahead uh, to 18 through 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. In verse 18, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while, and when trouble or persecution arise on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil... This is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. The parable of the sower. One of the few times that Jesus actually explains a parable. And why does he explain it? Well, because his disciples ask him to. <laughs> the lectionary text skips over the verses where they ask him, but they do ask him. I wonder, with a quick show of hands, how many of you have heard this parable before? Okay. We have a pretty high uh, level of having heard it before in the room here. Um, I want to take a look uh, at Jesus' explanation of the peril, parable and see where it takes us. And then, um, just to spoil the ending, I'm going to go back to that Hebrew Bible reading from Isaiah, and we're going to dwell with that in a special way. So, he says, here then, in his explanation, here then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, and we need to pause right there because this is something that's very interesting. All of you, most of you have heard this before. I wonder if you have had the same experience as I have had, which is this. This parable is apparently going to be about what happens when the word of the kingdom is planted or scattered or sown as a, as a seed might be in different types of people. And it occurs to me that I've heard this parable taught a hundred different ways, and I don't recall anyone ever talking about what the word of the kingdom even is or even means. I'm wondering right now if it's one of those chameleon phrases. You know, I've talked about this a bunch lately. Those phrases are words in the Bible that have a fairly ambiguous meaning, and they end up meaning whatever the preacher or teacher or reader wants them to mean, right? Like immorality. <laughs> yeah. This one's maybe not quite so inflammatory. 
One thing that I do know about the Gospel of Matthew is that the Gospel of Matthew, it, Matthew seems less willing to use the name of God than the other Gospel writers. So even when he's telling the same story that, the, that Luke or Mark might be telling, when they say the kingdom of God is at hand, when they quote Jesus as saying the kingdom of God is at hand, Matthew changes it to say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There's some speculation that he had a more... Jewish audience than the other two gospel writers and that uh, it's not you're not supposed to name God in Judaism. I'm a little skeptical of that explanation because I think that all of the gospel writers had a fairly high uh, Jewish target audience, if you will. Um, but for whatever reason, Matthew doesn't seem to like to say the name of God as much as the other uh, gospel authors do. And so I wonder if when he says the word of the kingdom he might be subbing in for the word of God, just like he does when he says the kingdom of God. It's confusing because the words kingdom is in two different places in those phrases, but you get what I'm saying. Whatever it is, um, <laughs> you know, if, if, he's, if what he means is the word of God is planted in these various types of people and various results happen, well, that gets us like two inches closer to a definitional understanding of what it means, but <laughs> let's leave it there for now. Jesus goes on and he says, whenever anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. Okay, so this is the first type of result you might get when you scatter the seed of the, you know, the word of the kingdom or the word of God. The birds eat the seed and before it can even take root. Now, if you were raised in a church environment that heavily emphasized spiritual warfare especially one that leaned into the idea of personalized demons and angels. You probably have internalized some version of a story where the devil comes and snatches the word of God away from you. And very conveniently, or as it happens, quite inconveniently, this problem could be either an unavoidable reality of the spiritual war that's always raging around us, whether we can see it or not, or... It could be your own fault because you probably gave the devil a foothold by your sins or by your lack of faith or by your inconsistent prayer life or, 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 or. So you can't do anything about it because it's the devil snatching away from you and it's your fault that that happened, right? <laughs> um, you'll find I'm, very, I'm giving very unsatisfying explanations of all of these, but anyway, Jesus goes on. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. And this one is about people who left the church. <laughs> right? Uh. <laughs> Couldn't possibly be the fact that the church failed them. No, no, no. Their soul was too rocky. They faced persecution and they left. I'm just giving you, you know, versions of this explanation that I've heard over the years. I don't know if you've heard them or not. The next one. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lures of wealth choke the word and it yields nothing. The cares of the world and the lures of wealth choke the word. Guess which one of those two factors gets more play in evangelical sermons? <laughs> It's the cares of the world, which means what? Whatever the preacher wants it to mean. This week it might be sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Next week it might be, generically speaking, people who don't put God first in their heart. It's the cares of the world. 
people are too worldly and the thorns come up and choke out the word of God. So don't be worldly. What does that mean? It means whatever I want it to mean. As for the lore of wealth, uh, never heard of it. Now, would the ushers please come forward <laughs> to collect our tithes and offerings? And then finally, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. You may have seen me sneak out into the backyard and pick a couple of cherries from our cherry tree in the courtyard here. It's still bearing fruit. It's, it's had a lo nice long season. I hope that you've picked some cherries. If you haven't yet, please pick some on your way home because you can make great pie with this. You can just eat them. They have, they have pits in them, though, so be careful. That tree was planted, by the way, in memory of Dr. Larry Sherman, who was uh, our coach when we planted Artisan Church um, over 18 years ago. And Larry was a wonderful man and gave us lots of good help and insight, despite the fact that he sometimes had no idea what we were trying to do here and did not understand us at all. And we just kind of spoke different cultural languages, but he always invested his time into us. And I like to remember him um, when the cherry tree comes into blossom. Um, and I think in part because of his faithfulness, um, Artisan Church has born some fruit among people who never even met him and in fact have just heard his name for the first time. Um, when the, the word takes root and bears fruit, it sometimes is a hundredfold and sometimes 60 and sometimes 30. And I think what's important to know about this is that Jesus thinks the people who bear 100-fold fruit are better than the ones <laughs> who bear 60 or 30. No, he doesn't. But sometimes we do, don't we? We think it about ourselves and sometimes we even think it about others. Seed, root, and fruit. We've had a lot of fun here this morning. <laughs> I mean, the, some of those interpretations were very obviously tongue-in-cheek and maybe, maybe put the least charitable spin on the way that that text has been taught in the church sometimes, but I think it's important to call that out when it's the reality. I wonder how this passage sits with you if you, if you don't actually think it's funny because some of those phrases have, uh, have been used to kind of denigrate your own spiritual experience in some way or another. Um, I wonder if you don't think it's funny because it, it seems kind of discouraging, actually, that there's so many ways that things can go wrong. How could I ever even get to 30-fold, let alone 100-fold? What I want to do is spend a few minutes here reading the Hebrew Bible reading, which was uh, Isaiah 55, 10 through 13. And I've got some readers who will help me with that. I'm going to read it through one time, and then we're going to read it several times. And I hope that it will take root in your heart in a, in a special way. So for those of you who haven't done this type of thing before, um, this is called Lectio Divina, and it's a just means sacred reading, spiritual reading. And it's a, a way of combining the reading of the scriptures with a posture and spirit of prayer that I find very powerful. And uh, as I've said before, Whenever there's a time when I'm stuck on a sermon text, this is what I usually go to. I'll do a Lectio Divina exercise with it, and it, it seems to open things up for me. And all it is is it's four different readings of the same text, and each time you do a reading, you change your focus a little bit. 
So the first reading, I'm just going to take you right through it. I'm not going to give you all four uh, and then go back to the beginning. We're going to go one at a time and just dive right into this. The first reading is called just Lectio. It just means reading. And the idea is in this first reading of the passage, which if you were doing it on your own, you might read it four or five times over the course of five or ten minutes and then move on to the other one and uh, the other type of reading and stay with them. But in our case this morning, we're actually only going to read it one time for each types of reading. Uh, the first one is just trying to kind of get the, get your bearings with the passage. You heard it earlier, but you're going to hear it again here. I want you to pay attention to it. Just see if you can kind of catch what it's saying. And what often happens in this first stage as you're opening your heart to what God might have for you in this passage is a word or a phrase will kind of lift off the page a little bit. Not literally. I hope you haven't had anything that would make that happen for you today. <laughs> but it sort of glows in your heart, in your spirit, if you will, right? That, I think, is the, the Holy Spirit kind of beginning to prepare you for what's, what might happen in your heart over the course of these other readings. So just note of, take a note of it, if you will, as I do the first reading. And um, here it is. It's Isaiah 55. Uh, Avila, if you want to put it on the screen for folks again, you certainly could. And here it is. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall be to the Lord for a memorial, for an everlasting sign, that shall not be cut off. I'm going to give you just about 15 seconds to sit with that. Okay. Will four or five people shout out the word or phrase that lifted for you, that glows a little bit? Uh-huh. Cypress and Myrtle. So you have a question. That's fine. It's more a second stage thing, but we'll get there. <laughs> so those words glowed for you. Yes. Going out in joy, coming back in peace. Yeah. A memorial. Yeah. So you're, you have sort of a question as well, and this is totally fine. I was poking fun at Ken a minute ago. We actually will get to questions, and it's... Um, might have been better for me to give you all four of the stages ahead of time so that you knew not to get ahead of yourself. But that's totally okay. It's my fault. Um, in any case, that's a version of the, of the word starting to glow for you, Bella. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you so much. What else? The trees will clap their hands. Yes. That's a fun image, right? Very Tolkien-esque. Bread to the eater. Yeah. All right. The word peace. Yes, thank you. Um, shout out a couple more as, uh, let's say, Elisa comes to read our, our, our second reading, and I'll explain what that is in a minute. A couple more versions. What? Everlasting. Is that what you said? Yeah, thank you. Oh, instead of. Yeah, yeah. So you see how many different types of words can sort of glow? Everybody's going to have a different experience as we go down through this. Um, Maybe we can bring this microphone live, and in just a second, I'll have you read that. Did you find the text here, Phil? Yep. Okay. 
Uh, before Lisa reads, I'll tell you what the second reading is. The second reading is uh, meditatio, which is just Latin for meditation. And the, the literal imagery of the language is of a cow chewing its cud. You're going to ruminate on this text as Elisa reads it. It's the same text. This time, that word or phrase that glowed for you, you might have questions about it, as I sort of hinted a minute ago. You can, you can wonder about those things. You might uh, begin to come to a deeper meaning on the word or phrase, or it might be that you are directed in your mind or spirit to another part of the passage altogether, and that's all okay. In fact, whatever happens in this experience is okay. I don't want you to think that there's a specific end game in mind. Um, but what typically you can expect in the second reading of Lectio Divina is uh, more of a pondering. You begin, you begin to ask questions and to think a little more deeply about the text. All right? Um, let's see. Go ahead. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper, and instead of briars the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. Thank you so much. And as you can see, she had a slightly different translation. There are a couple of words that were different, and that can add a little bit of flavor. It's like a little seasoning on our text. So, um, meditatio, the meditative stage, the ruminating stage, what came up for you? And I'll try to repeat it so that our Zoom people can hear um, as well. I don't know if I did a good job with that last time, but I'll, I'll endeavor to do that better. Um, if anybody in Zoom is wanting to participate, uh, I'll try to check for you as well. Yeah. Great. I love that. Penny's wondering about the water cycle, the stuff that comes right in the beginning. You know, the water will go down, it won't will stay, and then it'll go back up. And how much did they actually know about that, she's saying? And um, was it metaphorical? What does it mean? Great. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering how much the parallel Yeah. Yeah, so uh, the connection between this and the gospel passage that we read earlier, how much of that is coincidence? Did the lectionary editor do that on purpose? Uh, was Jesus keeping this text in mind when he was giving that teaching? That's a great question. That's something, that's a, that's a sort of a pathway to a deeper study of the text. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. That's exactly the type of thing that we look for in this stage. As Cassie, uh, right, had reflected on, or, you know, the word peace glowed before, and this time, you know, it's connected to uh, joy. And so she's beginning to wonder what's the connection between joy, God-given joy, and peace. Great. Thank you for that. One or two more. Oh, 
Oh, interesting. Thank you. So Jay says, how could the rainfall or snowfall kind of correspond in measurement to the 30, 60, 100 fold, right? That was in Jesus's parable. That's great. I love that the lectionary gave us these two things to be having in our mind right now. Yes, Kristen. <laughs> That's so great. I, I love that so much. Uh, did you hear Kristen say that uh, she pictured Julie Andrews <laughs> when, when in that part about the hills bursting forth into song with the sound of music? <laughs> I thought of Sandy Patty myself, but that's, uh, that's just a deep cut from my evangelical uh, upbringing. I think that was Sandy Patty, wasn't it? You shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. Mountains and the hills shall break forth before you. <laughs> I did not come in here planning to do that today. Oh, man. You haven't fired me yet, so. <laughs> okay. Um, Kristen, why don't you bring your Julie Andrews idea up here, and you'll read the, the third reading, and I'll explain what that is. The third reading in Lectio Divina is oratio, which is the Latin word for prayer. And so what we're going to do in this reading, again, it's the same text, is we're going to move to a, a posture and spirit of prayer. Now, remember, prayer is not always like monologuing to God. Prayer is sometimes listening to God. Prayer is sometimes dialoguing with God. Prayer is sometimes asking God questions or um expressing uh, emotions, good, bad, indifferent to God. Um, and what we're going to try to do here, and really I have to tell you, this is the thing I love probably the most about Lectio Divina, is we're going to combine this, this studious kind of thing that we're doing with the Bible text with a, with a prayer. And that looks a lot of different ways for a lot of people. And so, as Kristen reads this text one more time, um, I invite you to make it a prayer in some way or another. Go ahead. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there unto the, until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go in, out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall be the Lord for a memorial for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. I'll give you just a few seconds to conclude that prayer. With the understanding that this can be the most personal and intimate part of Lectio Divina, I wonder if anybody is willing to share what your experience of prayer was with that text just now. All right. So contemplating prayerfully the idea that you go through life and you have highs and lows and God is present in them all. Is that a fair summary? Eva? Thank you. 
Thank you so much, Bella. So I love that you said, um, I didn't understand this at first, and now I'm starting to kind of get it. And maybe that's God beginning to sort of implant it for you. But the idea that um, I think what you're drawing on is the, that this water cycle thing, as Penny called it, is pretty reliable. The water in the snow comes down, it does its work, it goes back up into the atmosphere, and then it happens again. And that's what happens with God's Word. It, it's cyclical, and it's reliable, even though it may kind of have different ebbs and flows. Is that fair to what you're sharing? Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Can you remind me of your name? I'm so sorry. Derek. Um, I love what you said. I started to understand it more, but I also kind of felt more confused. <laughs> that is absolutely normal. Do not be deterred by that because you, you could go through multiple stages of that. But then Derek went on to say, if you couldn't hear, um, it does seem like this passage says that the thing is pretty reliable. God's word is going to do what God's word is going to do. But in the gospel passage, weren't there several examples of it not working out? <laughs> and what do we make of that contrast? That's a, that's a, a great question and it's a great prayer. Yeah, Don. I love what you said, Don. Uh, Don connected the word to the the prologue to the Gospel of John, which is it's sort of like a something I return to in my preaching a lot, which is that the word means Jesus, first and foremost, that the word of God who we worship and trust in above all else is Jesus, and that we sometimes when we say the word of God in the church mean the Bible, love the Bible, yield to no one in my love to the Bible, but I love Jesus way more, and I submit to Jesus, if you will, way more. That's, that's kind of a, a loaded word in the church, and I apologize, but um, you're pointing out that you're connecting that to this idea in Isaiah uh, and to the, the gospel passage in Matthew. It sounds like that this seed which takes root, if it's the word of God, it's Jesus. And that that is a reliable source. Yeah. Um, and I think I saw Chris's hand next. <laughs> Do you want me to sing it again? Or no? <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's totally fine, Chris. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, thank you so much. And I apologize if I seemed like I was teasing you. I, I totally wasn't. Um, I didn't mean it to come across the way it might have. But yes, yes. So Chris said that like the when things seem to be going bad, going out into nature is a great source of of strength and peace. And and I wonder if that's the the trees of the ha the field clapping their hands and the mountains and the hills breaking forth before us and. Um, can you say really quickly a little bit about how that felt like prayer for you? What, what's the prayer in that? Yeah. 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 Okay. Thank you. I love that. Everything will be okay. Like the like, just being in nature is a prayer in some ways. Yes, and I affirm that. Don't don't feel like that's not enough or not Christian enough or something. It's yeah. Penny. Yeah, thank you. Penny's saying, like, um, where was I sown? This is the great question. Was I sown in a good place or the bad place? And is there anything that I can do about that? And how much effort is required? And if it's prayer, how much prayer do I have to pray? And what types of prayer? And how loudly? And in what places? In order to get myself from the path to the good soil? And vice versa. Ah. Say more about and vice versa. Well, Ah, so maybe it goes from good to bad if you don't do the right things, check the right boxes, practice the right spiritual things, believe exactly the right way. Interesting. Yeah. Shannon. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so water and snow, not always good forces in the nature, right? Ask our friends in Vermont or more eastern parts of New York State even. Yeah, and the briars still exist. So t tell me more about how that felt like prayer for you. Can you... Hmm. 
Yeah. Okay. So a, an important aspect of prayer, it sounds like for you, Shannon, is is acknowledging this both end, like this tension that we live in. Yeah. That's a powerful type of prayer, um, especially if anybody's kind of had the experience of of expecting everything always to be good when you are on the right path. Yeah. And that anything bad means you're on the wrong path. Um, I think that shows a shows us a great alternative to that false narrative. Yeah. 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 Interesting. So y- your your prayer was almost like l- realizing that this this is the voice of Jesus that you'd been hearing it as the voice of Jesus even though it came from the the Old Testament. Yeah. Yeah. Hearing Jesus speak to you through this text that predated his time on earth by a lot. Yes, I love that. Did anybody else, by the way, uh, at some point in this exercise go, oh, this isn't Jesus. This is before Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, not to put too fine a point on it, but I, I think it was also Jesus in its own way. But, yeah, um, you know, the word was with God and was God in the beginning, as um, uh, Don reminded us from the Gospel of John. Okay, there's one more reading, and I think it's Eva who's going to do the reading for us. And this last stage is... Uh, contemplatio. Can you guess what Latin word means? Uh, it means contemplation. And here's the one where you simply sit and um, rest in the text. You might have done some pretty heavy lifting over these last stages, especially the second and the third one. This is your chance to just sort of sit under the tree and feel the breeze of Scripture blowing across your face and into your hair and just reflecting on the experience you've had. It might not have been a very positive experience, and that's okay, too. It might feel like a hot wind or, a, you know, sleet and rain <laughs> coming along with it. The, the sitting under the tree might not be a positive experience for you. All of those things are valid and can be embraced and acknowledged and expressed in this last stage where you simply try to you, you let go of the requirement to do any specific work with this, and you simply exist as you hear the text read one last time. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up from the cypress, instead of the brier 
shall come up from the myrtle, and it shall be to the Lord for a memorial, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Thank you so much. I love hearing this text read in different voices, by the way, literal different voices. It's very helpful. How was this for you? What was this one like? Does anybody have an experience that can be shared about this last stage of the reading? Wow, thank you so much for sharing that. This, all of these things are part of nature and required for the flourishing of the earth. The ones that we might say are bad, the ones that we might say are good. And maybe it doesn't matter quite so much which one we identify with right in this moment. What a powerful sentiment. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Can you help me with your name? Anna? Yeah, thank you, Anna. Um, it's a great observation that sort of connecting this to the gospel teaching about the sowing of the seed. This passage in, in Isaiah kind of gives us a picture that it just sort of happens. God does the work. And with that kind of expectation of always trying to fix everything or do the right thing or make sure you're not choking, getting choked out by the thorns or whatever it might be, maybe in the contemplatio stage we can sort of sit and rest and allow God's work to be what it will be. Very interesting. Yeah, Bella. Yeah, so you said the word memorial stuck with you, it, it kind of leapt up for you in the beginning, and now you're wondering if this is a memorial for sin and laying that down. Is that what you said? Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Is that Anith? Okay. The lights are so bright here. When I get to, like past the fifth row, I'm, I'm lost. <laughs> Hmm. Um, and, and kind of the, the final contemplation of it all is this was written by Isaiah 
Uh-huh. Anith, I'm so glad that your voice is loud enough to carry in the room because I would not be able to do justice to everything you just said. Thank you for sharing that. And what a beautiful picture of how, for you, these four stages kind of connected to each other. That sometimes happens, um, but I want to tell you that if you don't have that sort of contiguous experience with Lectio Divina, it's not that you failed or did something wrong, you'll have a different experience with this every time. And as we conclude here, I would just like to notice... How variegated, variegated the experience was in the room. How many different words appeared for people? How many different types of prayer were shared by people? How many different questions or contemplations arose? And the lovely thing about this type of reading when it's done in community is that we get to hear from each other about what the experience with the scriptures was for other people. And the diversity that is present in a community when it's there uh, of course, adds to the richness of that experience for everybody. Um, thank you so much to everybody who participated, whether you shared or not. I know that not everybody wants to share. That doesn't make you less than. Um, but for those who did share, I'm grateful that you did because it gave us so much to think about and talk about and ponder. Um, <clears throat> you know I'm not a tie a pretty bow on the end of the type of preacher. <laughs> However, I, I did, f- I, I'm feeling the tension in the room about this question of, am I okay? Am I on, am I, am I the, am I the bad soil? Am I the seed that was thrown on the bad soil? Am I in the thorns? Do I have to do different stuff? Uh, a lot of you are carrying that with you. And I'm carrying it with me too. To the extent that there's any pretty bow that can be tied up and put on this whole thing. I want to tell you what I believe, which is this. What I believe is that you are not at fault for where the seed fell in your heart or in your life. And you are not responsible for having the strength to correct that problem if it exists. I believe Jesus is doing something descriptive here to kind of show us what can happen. But I also believe that all that is required is a faithfulness and trust in him for us to begin to see that seed take root and deepen in the soil. And if you are feeling like what you bring to this story is failure and lack of potential, I want you to feel encouraged that there is fruit that can come from the word of the kingdom or the word of God, from the word of life, from Jesus himself being present with you. And the efforts that you make may seem minuscule and not enough, but I really don't think that that's what it's about. I hope that you'll be encouraged and that you'll be able to trust that this 
this seed is taking root in your life and in your heart. And if you're not seeing fruit right now, I pray that you will see it soon and that that will increase your trust and faithfulness and that this will become a cycle, much like the water cycle, in your life and in our life together. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.